The views and opinions on this podcast regarding any people or businesses mentioned are based on interviews and articles available to the public. The views and opinions of any guests are not necessarily those of the host, the producer, or Pants Pending Studios. Welcome to the first episode of the Dog Lady Rants Dogcast podcast, but we're going to call it a dogcast. Um, it's going to air every other week, and uh, I think what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to have the format of we're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there will be some ranting. <laughs> and this first one, I'm going to start off with a little bit of an introduction, and uh, and you can see if this is even going to be something that you're that you're going to want to listen to on a weekly basis because uh, it's a little opinionated and uh, if it doesn't jive with your opinion you may not want to listen to it so but if it does um, I hope it's going to be entertaining for you. Um, so a little bit of a background about me as I started the Dog Lady Rants articles in the site uh, about well, it's been about two and a half years now no actually I think it's been over three years and it started with a uh, a champion Sheltie that had gotten lost. Uh, it was picked up by a shelter, then went to rescue, and the owner stepped forward to claim the dog, and uh, the rescue would not give the dog back. So um, I was pretty upset about how they were behaving, and so I got into ranting about it. And uh, th it just kind of went from there. Unfortunately, I dug a little bit more and found that there were a lot of cases like that, so a lot more ranting <laughs> ensued. But it's not going to be all, all about um, one subject. I do want to touch on quite a few other different subjects. It's not all going to be ranting. So the good, the bad, and the ugly on a typical podcast. I'm going to do the bad, the ugly, and then I'm going to finish with the good. So it's not all completely ranting. A little bit about my background. I started out as a horse trainer, uh, and I raised Arabian horses and miniature horses. Um, trained and showed them professionally and after that uh, I got into uh, training people <laughs> and so when my next job I worked as a sales trainer uh, and even after I got promoted out of that position I still went back in and with the salespeople I did the ethics training so I think part of that kind of bled over into my articles and and into things that I get a little bit upset about because it was my job to make sure that if somebody said something, it was the truth. And uh, if it wasn't true, you didn't say it. And you needed to set up the right expectations for people. So uh, I, I tried to keep the ethics in the sales at that company. And I guess uh, it just kind of continued on. If I see things that are being said that aren't true, uh, things that are twisted that aren't fair, especially in the dog world, I tend to speak up about it. I then went into Boston Terriers. So I am going to talk a lot about dog shows, talk about uh, breeding dogs, talk about breeding ethics. I am also going to look at the different points of views of, you know, how rescues view breeders. I guess I'll get a little bit into some of my views. I believe very highly in health testing. If you're going to be a breeder, you should health test. You should produce the healthiest puppies that you can. And whatever is recommended for your breed, there's some common problems test for that. Uh, be responsible. <laughs> uh, you're, you're bringing puppies into the world. Don't just throw anything out there. 
do your testing and be responsible. In uh, in one or two tests out of a whole list of tests that's supposed to be done for your breed is not considered health testing. Um, I I see people all the time in Boston. They do one test and they say they are a breeder who health tests. That that's not <laughs> that's not good enough. I'm sorry. One test doesn't do it when there's four or five different issues that the breed can have that are common that you should be testing for. Because yeah, you may have happy customers right now, uh, but in I don't know, two years, four years, when those dogs start having health problems uh, and you said that you health tested your dogs and that they were healthy and that they didn't have hereditary problems, they're going to think about you and they're going to have to suffer with the lack of responsible breeding on your part. So you have to think about the families that the dogs are placed with. Do as much as you possibly can to make sure that those dogs are going to be healthy. You know, no one wants to buy a puppy and have to put it down or have it go through major surgery at two years old. It's not fair to them. You know, I do believe in ethical breeding, but I also believe that we're in a free country and everybody has the right to breed and to, I guess, breed how they choose to breed as long as the dogs are cared for as long as they're not being you know, blatantly irresponsible in their breeding, anyone has the right to breed whatever they want. So um, despite how very stringent I am as, as far as what I think someone should do, um, I am a very strong believer in the, in the right to be able to breed how you want to. I'm, I'm <laughs> probably maybe best known in the Boston world for being very, very much against breeding against standard in terms of breeding fad colors. I am and will always be 100% against it. If you're going to breed, I guess if you're going to breed for your own preferences, you have the right to do that. You have the right to breed pets for people. I, I get that. Um, what you can't say is that you're breeding to better the breed. Because if you are not following the standard, then you're not breeding to better the breed because the standard is the breed. You can't breed a long-tailed Boston and say that you are breeding to better the breed because that's against the standard. You can't breed blue-eyed Bostons and say, I I'm bettering the breed because that's not breeding to standard. So you can say you, you, you're breeding healthy colored puppies, whatever you want to say, but you can't say that you're in, it in the best interest of the breed. You know, despite what people want to say about the parent club being in control of, of the standard and whether it's you know fair unfair whether things were screened out a hundred years ago that shouldn't have been you know whatever you want to say that's the standard it's been the standard for a hundred years so you can't come in and say well I you know it would have been nice if these people didn't screen these colors out well you know what nobody's nobody let them back in for a hundred years so you can't just blame one small group of people and say a few people screened it out because they didn't like it now it's, it's the Boston Terrier Club of America. We're talking hundreds of members. And when changes come up, which are not very often, it's very, very few changes to the standard. This is not something that's just kind of thrown out there. And there's a handful of people sitting around a table saying, gosh, what can we do with the breed today? And what do we all like? No, these are proposed changes are very, very few and far between. And when they do come up, they are voted on by the membership, which is hundreds of people dedicated to the Boston Terrier. So BTCA is the first, the last, and, and you know the final word on what makes a Boston Terrier. And it's that way with any breed. The parent club created the breed. 
you can't complain about it because you wouldn't have that dog if it weren't for the parent club that put that breed together, got them approved by AKC, has been working for, doesn't matter if it's decades or if it's been over a century, they created the breed. So if you don't like certain characteristics of the breed, go find a different breed. I mean, that's that's just it. You like a longer-nosed dog? Go to a different breed. You want one that's that's got green eyes and red hair? There's other breeds that have that. So not saying you don't have the right in this country to breed them, but if you want to preach about breeding for the betterment of that breed, whichever breed it is, you got to stick with the standard. So I, I have done some, some articles and quite a few rants on that topic. So that's just, you know, that is where I stand. So, um, you know, if you're offended by that, not sure if this is, this is uh, the podcast for you because I, I'll probably touch on that once in a while. God, you know what comes up a lot is um, the topic of making money on dogs. That That's a, a big issue because, of course, you've got puppy mills and you've got, you know, all the way up to you know, the top breeders in, in the U.S. It, it seems that breeders like to put everybody in a category. Uh, you're a puppy mill, you're a backyard breeder, you're a you know, volume breeder, you're uh, uh, I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of just not nice labels that we give each other. And I'm just as guilty. You know, I, I do it too. And I, I've gotten a little bit more lax lately on that because there's honestly not enough really, really well-bred puppies from show breeders out there. I mean, you, I see it on uh, social media every day, people looking for available puppies and they're, they're just not out there. So I can't get upset if somebody is breeding you know, a few more litters than I believe somebody should breed. I, I, I can't get too upset about that because there are homes. There, gosh, there's a, there's a ton of great homes out there. What I did find, I <laughs> got involved in this forum where uh, uh, they, w- they were very pro breeding rights. And, and you know, I, w- I was all for that. But at one point, somebody said somebody had gotten raided and they the article had said that they'd they had found um puppies in the freezer and i mean (laughs) that's just a horrifying thought if if you have a puppy die and you you have to preserve it to then take it to the vet and have it you know uh, a necropsy done on it or something like that I, i get that but this was like they were storing these puppies until spring to bury them and and so that topic came up and and somebody said that well that's that's perfectly normal I have a freezer where I put the dogs that I have lost over the winter in so that I can bury them in the spring and I thought who are these people they're absolutely nuts what either they have a ton of dogs or they're doing something very wrong or they're running a shelter for very elderly dogs um so I I don't swing that far on the on the pendulum um, as far as people's rights to breed. Seriously, if in there's in there I brought that up and I'm like, what the heck are you people doing? You have got a freezer for the dogs that die over the winter. How many dogs do you have die? And can't you just take that dog to the vet? have it cremated you know it's it's yes everybody has a dog pass away once in a while you've got elderly dogs you 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 know can have an illness that comes up you know a, a dog gets cancer and has to be put down or you know there's lots of reasons to lose a dog or or even losing a puppy um you know out of a litter that's that happens but when you have to have a freezer to store them in 
because you're waiting for spring to bury all of your dead dogs. Good grief, what is wrong with you? I'm not that liberal in my thinking as far as people having the right to breed. I don't mind if people are, uh, if they are covering their show expenses with the, the sales they had that year from their puppies. Great. They're covering their vet expenses. Um, it is it is not that often that you come out ahead. If you are showing your dogs, if you are doing your health testing, if you are taking your dogs to the vet when they need it, if you are feeding good food, you're not making a lot of money. And if you manage to make a little bit here or there and go out and, you know, have a spa day or something, <laughs> you deserve it because nobody ever gets paid for their time. Uh, and I don't think people realize... People who haven't been breeders don't realize what goes into it. They don't understand that there are, when you have a litter, you are up night after night. Um, you're checking on them constantly. You're Sometimes you are bottle feeding, tube feeding, um, and you are just pouring hours into these puppies. And when you have one that isn't making it, people don't understand how heartbreaking that is to spend night after night after night and feeding every two hours and getting up every two hours and then you know four or five weeks later that puppy passes away you have no idea what's that what that's like if you haven't been a breeder and at least breeders that are dedicated enough to to put that time in to those puppies so sometimes I go off a little bit on rescues that think that all breeders are evil they're all sitting around um, you know, surrounded by puppies, watching soap operas and counting their money. <laughs> the breeders are the ones that are putting, good breeders, excuse me, are the ones that are putting in their contract that those dogs will be returned to them if anything ever comes up. So those are not the dogs that are filling the shelters. Um, but if it weren't for those responsible breeders, you wouldn't have the breed that you love so much. So I, I don't understand the mentality that all breeders need to just stop breeding and, and that's it. Because then you wouldn't have those dogs anymore. And I, I, sometimes I think that's, it, that's such an obvious thing that it doesn't need to be said. But it's said anyway. I mean, it needs to be said anyways because it's just such a common thing. Well, you know, I have seen some absolutely wonderful rescues do some amazing things. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what some of the people who volunteer for rescues go through in what they see um, on a regular basis. Uh, some of the horrible things that they come across cannot be easy. Seeing dogs that are being abused or neglected and not being able to do anything because maybe the laws aren't strong enough in their area that they actually have the power to go do anything. I know that is, that is a big problem. Uh, so, you know, I, I really do respect the people that are in the rescue for, for what it's all about, who have the best interest of the dogs in mind. And, and there are some people in it, I'll be honest, that are that are control freaks <laughs> and that's why they get into it is because it's a it's a big pat on the back to rescue the dogs or or to be in control of the situation and I, i've seen a lot of cases where people are just bonkers but i i want to clarify that you know i am very much a supporter of rescue i have done transporting i've done donating um you know i've i've donated money i have i've purchased things at auction i've donated things for auction you know whatever i'm able to do but, you know, some of my rants will be regarding what some of these rogue rescues are doing that are not fair. Um, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go to break and then I'm going to come back and uh, 
I am going to do a little bit of ranting on some of the things that are that are going on out there, uh, and then I'll finish on a positive note. So be right back. You're listening to the Dog Lady Rants. For questions, comments, or sponsorship information, you can send an email to dogladyrants at gmail.com. All right, so we're back. So I wanted to get a little bit into animal rights versus animal welfare, because that's going to tie into um, some future stories that I get into. And not all of them are going to be, you know, all about my opinion. <laughs> this is just more of an introduction uh, to see if this is something that lines up with, with uh, what you would want to hear about. So, and a lot of people don't understand the difference between animal rights and animal we- welfare. They think it's the same thing. Well, animal welfare is you know, the, the well-being of the animal. Is it being cared for? Are they, you know, are the needs met? Um, animal rights basically believes that that animal has rights like a, a human. Um, and I know a lot of people look at their animals as their kids, as family, and you know, which, which is fine. But you, you get into dangerous ground when you start assigning the same rights to animals as you do to children. Um, or to, you know, other people uh, because the, the, the animal rights nuts, yeah, I'm going to call them nuts. <laughs> they want, they would like nothing better than to absolutely eliminate all pets because they feel they shouldn't be kept captive the way they are. They shouldn't be pets for our entertainment. And they feel that it, wild animals should be free and animals that are domesticated should just become extinct because they don't believe they should be kept in our houses as pets the way they're they're kept now. So, you know, if if you're an animal lover and you think that animal rights is is the same thing as animal welfare, it, it absolutely is not. And if you love having animals as pets, you don't want to support the animal rights nuts because the animal rights nuts do not want pets. They they would like to spay and neuter absolutely everything and eventually have them die out and no longer have pets. And the only animals would be out in the wild. Nothing in zoos, nothing in captivity, nothing in a fence. You know, so horses, cattle, goats, anything like that would either be free or they would be gone. So um, there is a huge difference between animal rights and animal welfare. You know, I want to get a little bit into, you know, how people do consider animals, their family. You know, I see people call them their fur babies. That's totally fine. But I am very opinionated when it comes to people who say your dogs are exactly like children. Exactly. And, and this, is, this is not just someone exaggerating. They believe that, you know, they are exactly like children. They can be like your children. They can be like family. Absolutely. That's totally fine. But what I have an issue with, and, and again, I'm a stickler for facts, for reality, for the truth. So if you have a speeding bus coming down the road and you have your dog and someone else's toddler in the middle of the road and you can only push one out of the way of that speeding bus, if you consider animals exactly the same as kids, would, would you seriously say that you would grab your dog out of the way and let that toddler get hit by a bus? This is what it drills down to. If you really want to get very literal and say that they're exactly like kids, 
this is what you're saying. And, and I have a problem with that. Why can't animals be animals? <laughs> why, why do we have to make them like kids? Why do we have to put diapers and dresses on them sometimes? I mean, seriously, I think it's cute for a photo op. I have seen some really cute dog outfits and I think it's, it's hilarious. And there's dogs that don't have hair. And so when they go out in the wintertime, yeah, they need a coat. But when we put these outfits on them that are so absolutely uncomfortable, like tutus and stuff like that, it, it's cute for pictures. Absolutely. Put it on. Take a picture. Don't leave your dog running around the house in that. That is not comfortable. It also sends weird signals to the other dogs. Dogs are very much about body language with each other. And you start putting clothes on them and then having them run around with each other all the time in clothes that's weird and it's weird for the dogs <laughs> it really is they they are very much about body language and you're covering that up so just let them be dogs it's fine and if your dog is wearing a diaper and it's over potty training age i mean i, I understand if you're like okay well my dog isn't great at being house trained and we're going to somebody's house that has a you know really nice carpet or something and you're putting a diaper on your dog okay i get that but if you're changing your dog's diaper <laughs> because you have not trained it to go outside that's a problem that is a huge problem unless it's incontinent unless it's got so a medical issue we shouldn't be putting diapers and dresses <laughs> on our dogs and treating them like kids I, I sometimes I just don't understand why they're not good enough for people as dogs. You know, dogs are great. They they do stuff that we don't know how to do. They sense things that we don't sense. You know, I, I, they've got enough of their own qualities that they should be good enough all on their own without us trying to make them human. You know, trying to make them laugh and cry and do things that that's not natural for a dog to do. Oh no, I saw my dog laughing. Uh, you know, your your dog. I think. Dogs can be happy. <laughs> dogs can have a, absolutely have emotions, but they're not people and that's okay. And, and I think, you know, sometimes we need to keep a hold of reality and, and just let them be dogs. So I, I want to go a little bit into, I guess, some of the situations that like I said, I d that I do rant about that, that do absolutely drive me nuts. And, and again, a big supporter of rescue, you know, the, the good ethical rescues. But here's some of the things that I, I, I think have come up in the past and have come up recently that absolutely drive me nuts and that will probably be future ranting material as well. Recently, a animal control went in and seized 35 dogs from a um, from somebody's house. And they, they were in disgusting conditions from what I understand. So so they seized the dogs, but come to find out this is a handler. She co-owns some of the dogs. She's a handler for some of the dogs. And there were some dogs that were sent there by the owners, not knowing that this, this person was not taking good care of them. And when the, all the dogs were seized, you know, th those dogs went too. And they were trying to come forward and, and get their dogs back. Well, one particular um, owner came forward trying to get a dog. Um, it was a French bulldog back. And they wouldn't let her have it back. And... One of the main reasons, at least from the very snide Facebook comments um, about this person, it was because she was a breeder. Well, all you're going to do is take the dog and use it. All you're going to do is pump puppies out of it. All you're going to do is try to make money off of it. That's not the purpose of the breeding and the showing. You have no idea how much money goes into that. You know, when, when people have that kind of an attitude towards a show breeder, um, it's, it is not about that. Okay, it's, it's 
it's so much more. But uh, so there's a lot of back and forth and back and forth. This woman trying to get the dog back, taking a lot of uh, verbal abuse, stalking, bullying online as she's trying to work with them and, and trying to get this dog. They finally agree to, to sign the dog over. I, at first, you know, it's, it's like, well, no, it's our dog. We got it legally and all this. They finally, they agree to give the dog back to her. Two days before they hand the dog back, they have the dog spayed and they do a surgery on its nostrils. So they have rendered the dog incapable of showing now because you can't have surgery on the nostrils and still take the dog in to show. Now, I saw pictures of the dog before and after. It did not need the surgery. There are a lot of vets that will look at a bracky dog and think that, well, it's got a smashed face. Therefore, it needs its nostrils opened up. Um, that's It's like a knee-jerk reaction for a lot of vets that don't understand the breed. And they opened up this dog's nostrils. Doesn't look that much different to me. Uh, now the dog can't show. Also, she's spayed. She can't show either. And of course, she can't have puppies now. So they basically, they knew she was the owner of the dog. So they had no ownership rights. Yet they exercised this, this policy, which is supposed to be for dogs that they are, that they own or in control of in their facility. However, they had already established she was the owner getting ready to give the dog back, spay it, and do the nary surgery, and now she basically has has a dog she can't show or breed. And to add insult to injury, they charge her over $600 as a return to owner fee. Now, there's, there's some things conflicting there because they did this surgery on the dog as if they are the owners. And then they turn around and they charge her a return to owner fee because they're acknowledging her as the owner. And she pays $600 to get this dog back, which is more than the adoption fee that they would have charged had they given her to anyone else. So these are the types of cases that, um, that drive me nuts, where it's the rights of the owner are violated. And, and that's also one reason why you don't want to push for animal rights versus animal welfare because that takes away the the ability to have ownership of that animal. You start giving that animal <laughs> rights like a human and you are no longer owning that property. And, and, you know, maybe that sounds cold. Oh, it's a piece of property. But you have to realize in order to maintain your rights as an owner and be able to get your dog back, it's important to have those property laws in place. These are just some of the cases that come up. Another one that came up that it was pretty well publicized and it, it's one of those cases where you just have to look a little bit deeper. There was a uh, multi-million dollar mansion in New York that was raided. They took out, geez, I think it was around 80 uh, Great Danes. They showed pictures of this place and there was poop smeared everywhere that the, the the, the rooms are just disgusting. I mean, here's this gorgeous house and everything just absolutely looks disgusting. They show these close-up pictures of, of a dog with cherry eye. Well, um, you know, if, if you have a breed that is, that is, that's a common issue with, um, you know that that can pop up overnight. This is not something that pops up because a dog is getting bad care. They don't automatically get cherry eye because they didn't get food that day or the place is messy or something like that. This is something that goes along with certain breeds and can be more common and can just pop up out of nowhere. And then you need to take it into the vet, get it taken care of. So they show this close up of the dog with, with cherry eye. 
they show um, all these disgusting pictures of this house that's just absolutely disgusting and dirty. Um, if you look at the dogs themselves, these are Great Danes. They're supposed to be a little bit lean. They're not a fat dog at all. But if you look at all the dogs in the pictures, these are well-fed dogs. It, it takes a lot to keep weight on a dog that big. And these are all, I mean, 80 dogs, that's a lot <laughs> of food every day. And these dogs were well taken care of. Yeah, it was disgusting and messy, but was interesting. what's interesting to know is I dug a little bit further into this, and what the media does not tell you, or any of the articles, or any of the reports does not tell you, is that the owner was in the hospital. So, you know, here everybody's just ready to jump on this person. Oh, they've got all the money in the world, and here they've turned in this house into a, you know, a hellhole, and these, these poor dogs are abused, and how could they do that? And people are just angry, and they're ready to lynch this woman because she's already not likable because she's rich, and she has a giant multi-million dollar house, and then she has these dogs, and oh my gosh, you know, people are ready with their pitchforks and their torches. And then you find out that she was in the hospital while this was going on. And it's interesting that the people that reported her were the people that worked there. Now, if you just take a second and think about that, the people that were supposed to be feeding and cleaning up after and caring for the dogs reported the woman in the hospital was not cleaning up after and feeding and taking care of her dogs. So does, does that sound like there's something a little bit screwed up? Um, there was also reports that some of the dogs were on Craigslist the week, what was the week before, or a couple weeks before, for $50 a piece. Now, anybody who knows the value of those dogs knows that that's absolutely insane. These dogs, a lot of them were imported. I mean, she sold them for thousands. So to have some of those dogs on Craigslist for 50 bucks a piece, what does that sound like to you? Does it sound like somebody's been screwing around while the owner's in the hospital? I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's, there's a lot more going on. And I am so glad that she has the money to fight this because a lot of times people don't have the money to fight this. They, people come in or these organizations come in, they, you know, they take your dogs out. They, oh my gosh, it was so horrible. I can't believe the conditions. And then you see these pictures of the dogs in the shelter and you're like, my gosh, that dog's fat. The nails are trimmed. It's clean. What are they talking about? These abused dogs that, the, you know, the feet are clean. That doesn't look like they were living in their own filth. Um, so sometimes, you know, these stories are twisted. Now, sometimes they're true and, and it's sad and it's horrible when they end up being true. And there's a lot of them that are. But every once in a while, these stories come out and you go, my gosh, they just went in there and that was just a big money grab. They just went and grabbed those dogs. You know, there's a huge story behind them now. And, oh, people are rushing forward to adopt them and save these dogs. And when actually the owner was like, hey, I, <laughs> I left for the store. I came back. I got raided because the neighbors complained about a barking dog. And now all my dogs are gone and I didn't do anything. I've got vet records. I've been feeding them. They're in good shape. They're show dogs. They're, you know, and, and it, that sounds a little bit far-fetched, but it happens. And it's, it's, a, it's scary and ridiculous. And, and people don't have the money most of the time to fight something like that because it's not cheap. The, the case that I talked about at the beginning, the Champion Sheltie case, that went on for over three years. Just this, I believe it started in April of 2014. Just this last May, it was finally settled. And get this, 
$175,000 in attorney's fees later on the part of the owner trying to get her dog back. Now, the dog, by the time this was all done, she couldn't breed it. She couldn't show it. Um, she basically, the dog went to the rescue in show condition. She got it back looking like it needed to be rehabilitated. And in my opinion, the pictures were awful. The nails were long. The dog had gotten gray. Um, and, and this was, you know, within a couple of years. So it's absolutely insane that people don't have the money to fight it. And sometimes that's what it takes because the police say, oh, it's a civil matter. The courts don't know what to do with it sometimes. Um, and in order to actually get a fair fight, people have to get an attorney. So uh, a lot of times it's, it ends up where someone, someone loses their dog. There, there was a case just recently. Someone lost their dog. It had tags. It had a microchip. The, d the dog got out. It was picked up by a shelter for some reason. It was never scanned. Um, the dog was sold. Any people say, oh, no, it was adopted. No, they charged a fee. It was sold. So just, just let's just throw that out the window. These are prices on the dogs that are available. The dog was sold to someone else, um, and the person couldn't get their dog back. And that's not fair because there's supposed to be a process. They're supposed to be scanning these dogs. They're supposed to be, if there's a microchip, there's, there's different rules for how long they've got to hold the dog, and they've got to attempt to call the owner. So everybody is promoting microchips as the way to make sure you get your dog back. And then there's some places that are ignoring the microchip and selling the dog anyway. You know, in, in those cases, you know, that's, there's a lot of unfair things that are, that are going on. So... Um, you know, and I would say enough ranting for today. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get into a little more, more ranting next time, I'm sure. But I did want to end on a positive note. You know, with everything going on, with the with the, the flooding right now, with, with what's going on, um, I did ask for some positive stories so that we can, you know, talk about some of the good things that are going on out there. I got from uh, information from Linda Wears. She said that um, Liv Schreibner... Schreib Schreiber <laughs> adopted two puppies on live with Kelly and Ryan this morning. Um, there were dogs brought up from Texas. Now, I did want to clarify that these are not dogs they immediately scooped up that were lost in Texas that probably belonged to somebody who was displaced. Um, these were dogs that were in the shelters that they needed to make room for the, all of the lost dogs that are coming in. So there was a great company that went in wings. Let's see. Wings of Rescue. And they go in and they help to fly the dogs out and get them into other areas. So they help to empty the shelters in order to make room for the other dogs coming in. So there was also somebody down there who was driving around with their pickup truck, picking up the stray dogs, the dogs that were stranded and, and helping to get them all together and, and get a place for them and, and get shelter and get taken care of. Also, uh, let's see, April Mateo on Boston Terry Attics as well, says that there are people taking in dogs and cats into their homes um, in preparation for the uh, hurricane in Florida. So they were, basically there were strays in the neighborhood, from, from the sounds of it, there are strays in the neighborhood that they were bringing in and making sure that they had shelter for when the storm came, even though they didn't know whose dogs they were, if they even had a home. Um, also wanted to give a shout out to Tina Starr from Ivy Lane Boxers and Boston's in Louisiana. She was collecting uh, donations of supplies, dog food, um, you know, whatever people would donate. And they delivered them to Texas, or she delivered them to Texas, um, to people in need. And she was even planning an, 
another trip. So, you know, good job, Tina. Tina, I don't always agree on everything, but certainly you've got to give credit where credit is due, and that was absolutely awesome. So, uh, you know what? We're going to do this every couple of weeks, and I spoke with someone who said we may be able to get an interview with one of these organizations that is doing some wonderful things um, for the people down in Texas. So, all right. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up for this week. And if you have any feedback for me, I would absolutely love to hear it. This is, this is the first one I'm putting out there. And I would love to hear if you, if you liked it, if you hated it, if you have some suggestions, uh, whatever. I, I'm willing to hear it all. So go ahead and contact the email at the end of the show. And I would, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. This has been a Dog Lady Rants broadcast. For questions, comments, or sponsorship information, you can send an email to dogladyrants at gmail.com. Dog Lady Rants is a copyrighted internet broadcast. Any reproduction or rebroadcast without express written permission of its host or producer is strictly prohibited. Prohibited.